Good afternoon, everyone. It's so great to see all of you out here today. And you know, if you felt like me, it actually, my car thermometer said 31 degrees and it felt warm. Did it feel warm to you after being below 20 for a whole week? Warmer. Warmer. <laughs> okay. It is really my pleasure, my honor to have been asked to introduce to some and present to others uh, Thaddeus Logan, the extraordinary author of Hey Cabby and Hey Cabby 2. Give him a hand. I remember years ago I heard something about a book, Hey Cabby, and happened to be at one of the malls, I think it was Mondawmin, and the book was on sale there, and I bought it, and I think I read it in one setting. It was a fascinating story. I just couldn't believe some of the things that people would tell a cab driver. I mean, I guess they figured because they only see him once, I can just tell him everything, and everything was in the book. Really fascinating book. And then when uh, he decided to write the second book, uh, he asked me if I would edit it. And I was very honored to have been asked to help edit that second book. I met Thaddeus originally. I was a school administrator, and he was doing tours of Baltimore uh, for school students. And we scheduled a class to go on a tour. Well, when the class came back and the teachers, they were just absolutely fascinated with the tour. The teacher, as well as the children, had learned things about Baltimore that they absolutely, absolutely did not know. It seems he, the tour was well planned. He took them from Sparrows Point to Roland Park, from East Point all the way over to Pimlico. They had stop-ins at some major sites and attractions in Baltimore. Uh, boys and girls had a chance to go to the top of the World Trade Center. They even got to go to... Uh, the airport and get on an airplane. Just really fascinating. He had done his homework, was very informed. He knew the history of Baltimore uh, and seemed to have a pulse on just what's hap what was happening in the city. And those tours continued and after a while I had to t we had to assign all the classes because everyone wanted to take the tour of Baltimore. And so we are here today uh, with Mr. Logan and his second book, uh, Hey Cabby. Um, one thing, one story that just really stands out in one of the books is the pajama story. You familiar with the pajama party? If you haven't read it, you've got to read the pajama party. He was invited to a pajama party where I think the women outnumbered the men 20 to 1, and these ladies had some specific ideas in mind. So you'll want to read uh, that book. At this time, before uh, Thaddeus comes up and talks with you, we have with us one of his former classmates and uh, a retired senator, Michael Mitchell. We'd like him to come up and uh, bring his greetings and he has uh, and speak to us. Excuse me. Uh, being in the Poe room, I was about to say. Uh, she was a child and I was a child in his kingdom by the sea. Uh, sweet Annabelle Lee. But in any event, that's the kind of public education we received at City College. Um, and uh, this happened maybe, uh, maybe a month ago. 
my presence. Uh, we were attending a funeral. <laughs> and uh, in the midst of eating uh, some fried chicken at the repast, um, we began to recollect And uh, in terms of this is our city. And there's got to be some way to chronicle the vibrancy of the city. And uh, what better person than Thaddeus? Uh, that was not his nom de guerre back then in the days of City College. But he, uh, he has, uh, when I first bought a uh, taxi, uh, he, he began to chronicle. The other thing he de-emphasizes is that we used to ride the, at that time called the Baltimore Transit Company, BTC. And little did we know when he, you could hear Thaddeus's voice from the rear of the bus to say, BTC really means better take a cab. <laughs> <laughs> and he was promoting back then. And lo and behold, and then his service uh, in the Baltimore City Police Department and begin to, to understand uh, the history of um, the haves versus the have-nots in the city and to uh, see the kind of very segregated city we had to live in. And then going back to human nature, and one story was recounting some guy hadn't been here a long time. You know he was very young because he said his family used to eat at Wilson's Restaurant. Well, when we were growing up, Wilson's restaurant was segregated at North and Pennsylvania Avenue, and we could not sit down to have a crab cake. Um, these are the vignettes, the, the vignettes that conjure up uh, what he has hit upon here. And he, got, he hung up on me yesterday. I get so excited because I was telling him, I said, don't be so modest. I said, you have a gold mine here, uh, Thaddeus, because you are, uh, this is like oral history. Do you know the departments uh, in, in, throughout this country, uh, Columbia, Harvard, uh, even Hopkins has an oral history department, uh, capturing firsthand uh, the reflections of people and their assessments of things. And one final thing I say to him is that, um, you know, this is uh, just the beginning. Uh, whether he likes it or not, I'm going to help promote him because I'm Uh, kind of a, a historian and archivist of my family's papers. Larry Gibson, in his book on Thurgood, had most of the pictures of Thur young Thurgood and that were, were held by my mother and grandmother. They never threw away a thing. And he's part of a family in Baltimore uh, that has uh, been involved uh, and, more importantly, encouraged the children to excel. And I like the dedication of to the children, despite his going to the pajama party. Uh, he, the fact that there was this incredible uh, dedication. Is, is uh, Billy Gardner here? Where is she? Yeah, oh, excuse me. I, um, we were all classmates, and we traveled to Pimlico Junior High School together uh, right after Brown versus Board of Education. As you know, Baltimore City was the first public school system to integrate. Uh, after Brown, and it was not because everybody wanted to do the right thing. It was because uh, they were forced to. The mandate had been stayed by the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals pending the Brown decision, and uh, what an upheaval, and to your, the credit to your father and others who decided we were going to be the, 
the, the, the people who could live out their dreams to see us go to an integrated Pimlico Junior High School at Northern Parkway and, uh, you know, Park Heights. So Thaddeus came up in all of that. And he is just very modest in the sense that I think he, we were in a Latin class together too, uh, Dr. Glasser. Uh, and I think I'll close with this, if it's correct. Um, my recollection is, is that qui uh, es uh, custodia es custodiat, meaning in essence, who are the, the guardians, uh, who are going to basically guard the guardians? And, um, and you do this by recollecting things, and then it will prick the collective conscience of people and spur them on to do some incredible things. That's why I'm excited about it. So stop being modest, Thaddeus, and uh, we're there to help promote you. And I say to you, may the roads rise with you, may the winds be forever at your back, and may God keep you in the hollow of his hand. And now, for your pleasure, we have Mr. Thaddeus Logan, author, cab driver, entrepreneur. He's a Baltimorean extraordinaire. He knows Baltimore from the east to the west, from the north to the south. He knows what's happening at City Hall, Lexington Market, and all around. He really does. There's almost anything you can ask him about Baltimore that he does not know. So it is truly my pleasure, my honor. I'm excited to introduce, present to you, Thaddeus Logan. <laughs> How about those ravens? Let's give them a good hand. How about our ravens? Let's give them a good hand. I would like to thank uh, I would like to thank Michael Mitchell. Uh, I would like to thank Lucy Miller. I also would like to thank uh, Dr. Carla Hayden, uh, who's the director of the you know, Pratt Free Library System, and um, uh, Ms. Edmonds, who assisted me in uh, having this affair at Dean of Pratt Free Library. Uh, I've, been a, I've been a cab driver approximately 35 years. Uh, 20 years were part-time. Um, I used to work the weekends and the first of the month when the retirement checks and the uh, relief checks were, were, uh, were in the system. Um, cab, the cab business in, in the city started slacking off in the last, well, in the last 20 years. And uh, to cut my expenses down, I finally decided to buy a cab, uh, buy a permit, which is called the medallion, and, and uh, the car. The medallion is worth much more than what the cab itself is worth. The medallion is the right to operate a cab within the city limits of Baltimore. You can operate, I mean, the, the city of Baltimore has approximately 1,150 cabs that are operated within the city limits. Uh, that means I can, my trips can originate anywhere right here in Baltimore, but uh, 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 th this is my base. Basically, I can't pick up at BWI Airport or any, any any, anywhere outside the jurisdiction. Um, I bought the permit 
anyway, anyway, I've watched Brent. Prior to becoming uh, uh, a cab driver, I worked in the United States Post Office. I also was a policeman, Baltimore City policeman and detective. I uh, graduated from uh, University of Maryland, University College in 1979. I worked for a Fortune 5 com company as a salesman and also was a liquor salesman. And I've been active in the, uh, my neighborhood. I was neighborhood president for about 15 years. Um, in 1979, uh, I graduated from a uni uh, university college I mean, University of Maryland, University College. Um, my divorce was finalized, so I uh, went to California. I took a brief trip to California. I returned to Baltimore, and I couldn't find a job. <laughs> okay, I, I was going on numerous uh, uh, interviews within the city, and I was either overqualified or underqualified. I was also uh, drawing unemployment. I was able to draw unemployment. Well, my unemployment was uh, in its final months, and uh, I went to the unemployment office, and I asked for an extension. Well, during this particular time, uh, President Reagan was the president, and extensions were cut out. So I asked the lady. I said, uh, well, how do you live in America uh, with no money? She said, go to the welfare. I said, Miss, I'm not going to no welfare. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was I, I went to, uh, I used to drive a cab part-time when I, well, I didn't drive it part-time, well, it was part-time. When, uh, when I was a policeman, they allowed you to work, they wanted to work to combat crime, working from like 11 at night to, to 5 in the morning. Actually, I had no expenses to pay, no more than, than, than just uh, 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 my gas. Um, it was additional money to me. I kind of, I kind of liked it. So um, I went over to SunCab. I filled out an application, and I wanted to uh, to do this work temporary on a temp on, on a temporary basis. And uh, well, anyway, that temporary basis wound up to be 35 years. I've been driving a cab. I kind of really liked. Uh, what I was doing, I was dealing with a, a slice of life. Uh, I was making money li and listening to people's various stories that were people were telling me. I was seeing things through the windshield. I was going to places right here within Baltimore City and Baltimore County that I had never been before. Um, uh, it, it was just, it was just so interesting. And like I said, I was in, I was, I, I at, at uh, the Sun Cab. I was able to work any shift I wanted. Anytime you went in, your shift started. So if you went in at 11 o'clock, your shift started. You had 12 hours from when, whatever time your shift started. Uh, I was through with uh, uh, the structured environment. And I, uh, at Sun Cab, I would start working around 11 o'clock. That's when I got myself together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and I would work roughly 10 hours, 10 hours a day, uh, five days a week. Well, I had a lot of time on my hands. I was just out of a, I was, I was, I was, I was just, I'd, I was divorced and I just got divorced and, and uh, 
Well, when I was married, I had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, when I was married, I didn't have a lot of time on my hands. I mean, I had a wife, two children, uh, two cars, a dog, a house. And, and, and uh, once I was divorced, I was like a single person. Uh, you know, I had a lot of time. So what I would do would, was recap the stories um, that happened on a daily basis. Um, and and uh, I let this, I had the stories, and I was I compiled a I had compiled a good group of stories, and I asked someone to read them, and they really liked it. So uh, I found about five or six readers. Uh, Bernard Anderson, who is my cousin, uh, uh, read the book, and I didn't know if these people were gonna like it or not because this stuff was quite graphic. <laughs> the first book was like, I mean, it was like it, it was it was really really raw and she uh she liked it and other people liked it and and they encouraged me to go on so what i did was i did not know what to do as far as getting a book together so i came to this library right here and borrowed the book on how to publish your own book and and uh, the book gave me a lot of good information i mean a lot of good information um it first told me where you could have a small run, like 500 books or 1,000 books. And it was a place called Edwards Brothers that was out in Cal- uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, and the other information in the book was how to, you have to really, um, you, have to, you, have to, you have to really, no matter how good a book is or how bad a book is, you've got to get the book into the consumer's hands. Uh, my 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 job training from I was a liquor salesman for Churchill, and it taught me a lot about display advertising. And back in those days, we were making a brand called E and J Brandy, which I believe is a quite a popular brand today. And all you would do was continuously, <laughs> all you would do was continuously pump this. I mean, you know, no matter you, you would just you would have a. a Happy hour with promotions. Who would take a couple bottles in to, to reduce the drinks, and and that's the way the brand was made. You would it was called point of sale. You would have your point of sale. If it was rag, it was if it was torn or something, you would take it down and put fresh point of sale up at all times. So I first of all I went to a friend of mine who was my mentor at the time. His name was Mr. Bay. He was the printing teacher at at Carver Vocational High School. And uh, I told him about my project and what he wanted to do. So he said, let's get a book that's uh, a random house book and see how the book is constructed. So the average book, I mean, the book that the, the most comfortable size book that most people read is six by nine. Well, I found it was a six by nine book. Um, now, the difference between the two books are, I have a book fellow. The difference between the two books are this book was put together manually. I mean, I'm talking about the copyright date on this book is 1985 or 1984, and this book is 2012. This is all computerized. This was all by hand. I mean, the same thing was done. And to send this, send the book to, to uh, Edwards Brothers, it was it had to be it had to be what's known as camera ready. Well, both both of them have to be camera ready. But it was all done by hand. Um, Mr. Bay was a printing. He was a printing teacher, and he also worked uh, be, prior to becoming a teacher. He worked at the uh, News American, 
newspaper as a printer. He knew someone there, and they took the manuscript, and they uh, printed the galley sheets out, and they were long sheets. And, and, what I would, and then he just told me what to do. He didn't do anything. He, he told me what to do. You had uh, uh, glue and the galley sheets and, and these boards that were six by nine, and I would have an inch margin all the way around. So every seven inches, the uh, galley sheets would be cut, and then you paste them up. <laughs> and then you, and then I, and then you know, if, if the second book is 161 pages, so you had to put each, you had to actually you, you had to have a T square and a triangle uh, to do all of this, and you put all the numbers on the pages and and all the uh, the headings of Hey Cabby on each page. Um, I mean, it was an ordeal. I mean, it was, it was an ordeal. And, and what I would do is, once I got it ready, you know, it doesn't make it all, if, if the mistakes in the book, they're on you. I mean, you know, camera ready, you send them garbage, you get garbage back. You send them a good product, you get a good product back. And it was pretty, it was, it was really kind of hard to get some of these typos out. I mean, afterward, this stuff just, you know, it's, 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 it's like I said, I was using a typewriter, a uh, whiteout, um, carbon paper, not not like a, not like not like today. If if you have you, if you have a story that you want on page one hundred and you wanted to bring it to one hundred, all you got to do is cut and paste. But it was a major ordeal back in the day when you were doing all of the stuff manually. Um, once I got all of that done, and I had the manuscript, I had my manuscript, my manuscript. Wait, my, my, man, my, man, my manuscript was uh, uh, in, in good condition, so I took the manuscript to the newspapers. We had once we had two newspapers. Uh, I guess 20 years ago, we had the News America, two daily papers, the News American and the Sun. I took it to the News. And I took it to the Sun. About a week later, a reporter by the name of Anita Lewis uh, called me. She took me to lunch over at Harbor Place, and uh, she interviewed while we were eating. And about a week later, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have a little small article about this. And I had the whole Metropolitan page. The, the one on the, the second one from, from your right, uh, uh, that was the first article. Um, uh, that, and, and from there, then I wanted to... The book also said it doesn't make no difference how good an article is or how bad it's advertisement. It's letting people know that your product is out there. So then I wanted to billboard it more, and I went to the bus company, the uh, uh, MTA, the MTA bus company, and I talked to this guy and I asked him about outside advertisement and. Uh, the price he gave me, I said, that's totally out of my, you know, that, I mean, I can't, I can't afford anything like that. So I asked him about inside advertising. He said, well, I never heard anybody advertising a book on the bus, but, but, but sure. So he charged me $5. He gave me a break. He charged me $5 a card, and I bought about 200 cards. Well, these buses go through the very poor neighborhoods, middle-class neighborhoods, and, 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 and into the high-rent district. And you would be totally surprised. A lot of people, you might not think people are reading that stuff on the bus, but they really are. I mean, they really are reading those buses, those inside advertisements on the bus. Uh, I don't know why they aren't utilized more today, because when I'm at a red light looking up at the bus, it's nothing but a lot of empty, empty space. 
or empty space where nobody is using the advertising space. Uh, and and uh, after okay, uh, after 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 I published, I mean after after the advertising. Okay, I I had the cards, and the cards were eleven by seven, eleven by seventeen, which is two sheets of paper, and uh, the New York Times boxes were in the downtown area of Baltimore, all around. Well, they didn't have any advertising. They didn't have anything in the advertising slot. So I tried one of the uh, cards, and it was a perfect fit. <laughs> it was a perfect. It it was it was it was a it was a perfect fit, and. And uh, uh, it stayed there 30 days before they called me, but the damage was done. You know, the majority of the people, the majority of people are coming from Center City. They come here for work or transfer points or, or entertainment or whatever. And, it, and basically, I kinda, it kind of hypnotized the city, which made the book number one in demand at this particular library for 10 straight weeks. And I didn't really know it. Uh, a lady was in my cab, and I was trying to give her my little pitch selling her a book, and she said, she said, uh, she, she, she said, I looked in, I, she was telling me she looked in the art and entertainment section and she saw that the book was number one, beating out Lee Iacocca, who was the president and CEO of Chrysler Corporation. So I was like, <laughs> you know, flabbergasted. Um, also, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a minute. I was, when, when I got into the cab business, I was, I was totally embarrassed. I mean, you know, you know, this is my hometown. I mean, I'm a native Baltimorean. Lived here all my life. Lived in, I live within the city limits all my life. And a lot of people were saying, well, what are you doing this for? And what are you doing that for? And I said, look, man, I got to pay my bills, you know. <laughs> and and uh, I was just taking it for, for temporary, you know, for the moment. But the moment turned into 35 years right now. So I'm still, still um, driving a cab. It became enjoyable, relaxing, and making money. And I was writing stories. And, and it's just... It, 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 uh, you never get rich, but you know, it's fine. Um, these, these are two different books. This book, this book is, is, is 30 years old. And, and this book is present day. This is the fourth printing, and this is the uh, first printing. This book, uh, the B, uh, July the 1st. Um, Basically, driving the cab is a slice of life. You deal with all types of people uh, throughout the city. I mean, I can be dealing with uh, a person be coming through Penn Station or the train derailed, and he needs to get to Philadelphia, and he's willing to pay $300 to get to Philadelphia. And, hey, I can come back and get a call over to Johns Hopkins Hospital, uh, dealing with an impoverished person uh, being released from the psych ward, uh, uh, so, you know, I'm dealing with a slice of life, I'm really, really dealing with a slice of life. Um, I, I love interacting with people, and cab drivers are ambassadors of goodwill to the people for the city that they represent. If a cab, bad cab driver meets you at the gate, meaning the gate meaning the airport, train station, or bus station, he gives you... He gives you, he, he's a disgruntled person, I mean, he's nasty, he's, he's taking you for a ride, for, he's, he's charging you $20 on a $10 ride. You know, this leaves a bad impression of the city, and, and uh, 
you know, he talks about might that want to, you know, you know, you know, this person could be a key figure. He could be bringing conventions to the city, and he and he might be instrumental in in the convention not coming back to Baltimore by uh, a lot of the tourists and conventioneers. Uh, many of them want to know a good place to eat, and they're also looking for places of entertainment that you know, when they are are not meeting. Uh, also, a cab driver is a, is a shepherd of goodwill, uh, helping out people who are in need. Case in point would be uh, years ago I picked up a man in front of the old Hutzlers down on Howard Street. He was going to Sparrows Point. Uh, he said, Mr., I only have $8. This was, this was when fares were cheap. <laughs> he only had $8. It was probably a $12 fare. Today it would be about $30 to go to, go to Sparrows Point. Uh, he said he only had $8. He said, I don't have any money. I just got this job. I'm on, a, I'm on some kind of rig or something that's about 10 feet over the water. And, uh, well, he cried from his story. I just took him. And when we got down there, he uh, he called he called his foreman up. His foreman had to come up to the clock house to let him in, and, and he bought the remainder of the money. Um, you deal with. I uh, uh, found that most people's problems were stemming from sex, power, money, drugs, and rock and roll, meaning entertainment. And I really knew this, but I really found out after being in the business the power of the cab driver. I don't want to pick you up. I don't pick you up. First thing I'm going to ask you, first thing I'm going to look at is, are you a threat to my life? And second, can you pay the fare? <laughs> I think people are entitled to cabs, but, but, but I think if you're a threat, I don't have no backup. You know, I'm out there all alone. You know, and, and, and uh, uh, if something goes down, you know, somebody, you know, the, the cab company, the dispatcher may say, go to back somebody up, but that could be, and you could be dead and gone by the time, by the time they got there. Um, I really, as a driver, uh, developed an addiction. I think it's an addiction to people, people in, them st- in their stories. I learn from them, and they learn from me. A lot of times in the cab, you're individuals. I don't, a lot of times I don't see race. You know, you're individuals. Your, your, your problems are... Anything off, man. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you, you, you just, uh, it seems like a lot of people, they can show off once they're out the cab in their little groups or, or whatever, but, but, but uh, you're, just, uh, um, you're just people, you know, p- people that, that have uh, problems. I really found that, 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 that most people, that there are no more than 15 or 20 different personalities. I mean, you know, you have people that read well, you have dummies, you have smart people. You have crybabies, you have beggars, you have whatever uh, uh, after a while. Um, I see that my, uh, my, my nephew just came in, uh, Christopher Logan. Uh, Miss Lucy Miller uh, was, 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 did a, a great job as my uh, editor and with her computer skills. And my nephew there, uh, Christopher Logan, he did. He, he's 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 excellent with the computer, software and hardware, and and uh, uh, helping with the social media. I'm from, I'm really from the old school. I don't. I, I I you have to set it up for me pretty much, and I can do a few. I mean, I, I can I can work, but I'm not. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm not I'm not that good at it. This is the hardback book. 
and uh, my friend Mr. Bay. This was the cover, and, and this is and this is the same thing. I'm sorry. This is this is this is this is the fourth printing. This was the cover, and this is the hardback book. And and, and uh, I actually see it on on the internet. They're talking about fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. I don't know who's getting this money. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea who's getting this money. But I I, I really I really have no idea. Uh, you deal with a lot of loneliness too. I mean, I had a good story. A lady up at at at, at uh, she lived in McCullough Homes. I, I I got the call and I went up there and this old lady. She looked like she was about a well well weathered old lady. Looked like she was about uh, between, I guess in her eighties on a cane, and she had somebody carrying a bag with her. You know, so um, she asked me to open the trunk, or they asked me to open the trunk, or put the bag in the trunk. And uh, she told me that she raises pigeons, and she mends the pigeons' uh, wings. Uh, the, and the bag was, was, was rabbit feed. Her birds wouldn't eat it. It was, it was feed for rabbits instead of feed for, for pigeons. So I was taking her to the 600 block of West Lexington Street. It used to be a feed store down there, and they apologized. I took her back home. I helped her with the bag and the house, and I looked over from the house. McCullough Homes are projects. And I looked over on the other side, and all these pigeons were on the second floor of, 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 I mean, on the second level, on the windowsills of people's houses that were just opposite her. Uh, when I walked up to the step, it was a little coffee can where the pigeons could peck water. And I opened the door, and pigeons were, uh, pigeons were I mean, it was quite a few pigeons in there. And pigeon, and pigeon poop was all over <laughs> So, you know, I just said more power to the bird lady. You know, I mean, she was doing a remarkable job. Um, uh, and and also, um, I'm going to backtrack a minute. Going back to uh, uh, how you how you make your product known, uh, the book said to go to. She said you're going to lose 10 percent of your product. Uh, go to the newspapers, uh, give them your book, and then your follow up is very important. Um, the news. Uh, uh, and that's what I did. I mean, you know, it, it hasn't been easy to get to this point. It was much easier the second go round because this particular time, uh, uh, from July the first, I've had three newspapers. I've had all the major newspapers. Uh, the Sun uh, started off started off with uh, the City Paper, then the Sun Paper, and the Afro. I had uh, reviewing the Afro. Uh, all reviews were good. Um, my my goal is to get this book into some of these colleges and universities that study the city and how the city, the second book, not the first book. The first book, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but, but my, my, I'm trying to get the second book into various schools. Uh, the, the second book is, is 80 stories, but is one continuous cab ride around the city. Um, uh, also, I've been on various... Uh, New uh, radio programs. Uh, Marsha Jews, Keep It Moving. I was on her program Monday. Brother Darren Muhammad, Be More News, and Larry, the celebrity cab driver. Um, at this point, um, if you have any, I'm open for questions and answers. Also, uh, all of those articles over there. All those blow-ups of articles that went in the newspapers, three this year, and the rest of them come from, uh, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. 
Um, does anybody have any questions? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pitcher Street or, or Branch 17. Well, I guess Pitcher Street was Branch 17. It just moved up to Northern Pennsylvania. Am I correct? Okay. Uh, I, I was in awe. I mean, I, you know, to, uh, to ride down the street and see my picture and the showcase, my picture and my work being showcased in the, sh- in, in the, in the window in the Nina Pratt Free Library, especially as a a native Baltimorean and living in this town, you know, it's it's an honor. It's a true honor. Any other questions? Yes. What is your most memorable tip that you received from a fair that you can tell us about? Okay. Um, I had a round trip. Uh, this was recently. This was this was in the last year. I had a round trip to to uh, New York City, and and uh, I got a thousand dollars for it. Uh, uh, Actually, actually, the one, the, the, the trip uh, originated from University Hospital. Uh, this was during, the, I guess, the first months of last year when the uh, the windstorm knocked everything out, and the trains weren't running, and the planes weren't running. We started out going to the train station, and then from the train station, uh, I mean, she was laughing and said, "You want a round trip to New York?" I said, "I, said, I mean, I've never had it in 35 years. I've never had a round trip to New York." So I mean that was a that was a good trip and and another good trip. With, I mean you know if you get a fifty dollar tip, I mean that's really good tip in in, in the cab business. I had this guy. I, um, uh, he flagged me, and and uh, he wanted to go to a place. There was a check cashing place on Lawrence Street called Herb's Liquors years ago, Lawrence Lawrence and and Fremont Avenue. So uh, the, actually, what it was, man, he he had his first. Social Security, and it was retroactive. He must have had like two thousand dollars, so he went around Herb's Liquor shopping, and then and, <laughs> and then he said he wanted a good crab cake, so he wanted, We went to Bo Brooks, and Bo Brooks at the time was out on uh, Frankfurt and Bel Air Road, uh, and, and they were little small balls, and he was just throwing them down his mouth, you know, throwing them down his mouth like that. So then, so then he said he he wanted a he wanted a TV. He won the TV, uh, so uh, Luskins was around then. He, he said, man, that's the cheapest place. He said, that was the cheapest place in town, and I took him in. He bought the cheapest TV in the store. <laughs> he, bought, he, he, bought the, he bought the cheapest TV in the store. So he wanted to see BWI Airport. We took, I took him out. I guess it was BWI then. When, it was Friendship or Brent Friendship or BWI 30 or he, 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 we went out there, and he leaned all out the cat. He said, "Man, this place is beautiful." He leaned all—I mean, he leaned half his body all out the window. So, so we found a we found a, a motel within the area, and and uh, took him to the motel, and uh, we settled up. We, we had to go to two hotels because he said a couple of them were too expensive for him. And he he just sat down with his little TV like this and looked at it, and he gave me a fifty-dollar tip, you know, and. I mean, those things happen, you know. I, I mean, I, that, that was that was, uh, you know, if you get if you, even if I get a fifty dollar tip today, that's a very good tip. And and to answer your question about, I mean, it's not a question, but about tipping, you might think that people of means are very good tippers, but the basic the 
the better tippers are people who are in the service industry, you know, like your waiters and, and your waitresses and, I mean, whoever, whoever else is in that, in that tight line of work. Jeff, you have a question? Yeah. We're wild buddies. We go to the YMCA. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jeff. And um, I know when you read, did the first one and doing the second one, how did the cab industry change over those years as far as what you could do, how you made your money, how people paid for the cab ride, mm-hmm. uh, just the whole ambiance of how the cab industry changed over the first and second okay. Well, uh, when the first book was written, it was, I mean, there was money in the system. There was cash money. A lot, a lot. It was pretty much a cash business, and uh, pretty much everybody rode a cab. cab uh, uh, there were no problems. Uh, people riding cabs. Uh, you could drive on Sunday. All you had to do was come out and drive, and then people would flag you. You know, uh, 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 the business was very good. Thanksgiving, like the day before Thanksgiving, you could really do no wrong. Uh, uh, they were. They were, I mean, you know, airport in the cab business is a big deal to a cab driver. And there would be airports all, I mean, you might get 10 airports going years ago. Uh, today, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it, the business has totally changed. It's, it's no money in the system. We're dealing with a recession. Uh, uh, years ago, it was almost a million people in the city. It's about 650,000 people in the city. You got two types of people that live here. You got people who want to live here, that are pretty much concentrated in the southeast section of the city, and those who are stuck here. Uh, a lot. They have a program that's called the Taxi Access Program. This, these people, uh, it's a twenty. They're entitled to two twenty-dollar fares a day, but they only pay three dollars. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of subsidized work that comes from. I mean, you go to these hospitals. They want you. They, you know, they want the bid, so they're going to send you home. Uh, a lot of stuff comes from the social, social services. Uh, it's just totally different. I, I actually work harder today than I ever worked. I mean, I should be like, like you know, just on cruise control, uh, dealing with it. But, but I, you know, you 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 learn how to fish. And what I mean is, you go where the people are. People are going to be at the hospitals. People are going to be uh, uh, tourists and conventioners are going to ride cabs. Uh, um, and and you have call service, but but to get the longer runs, you you, you either get them off the off the radio, or at various uh, stands that that you know like the Continental Hotel or, or the Hyatt or the Hilton places like that. Yes, ma'am. I had one more question. How many fares average can you get in a twelve-hour shift? Okay, well I don't work twelve hours, but <laughs> <laughs> I try to work smart. Uh, 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 um, you can. Uh, I don't know, ten, well, about 15 jobs, 25. I, uh, one of my fellow cab drivers says 25, but I would say I'm over 12-hour period. Well, 12 hours is a, long, is a long time to be sitting down in the seat riding around the city. Are there any hours that are better than others? Like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the hours would be, uh, well, most people are, most people are up. I, I would say, I would say, I would say from eleven to seven, in between, in between. I mean, you know, like like we have the greatest hospital. We have two. We we have some very nice hospitals, very good hospitals here in Baltimore, and a lot of people uh, come from all over the world. 
to go into University Hospital and, and to uh, Johns Hopkins, the outpatient center. And a lot of them would come in early in the morning. I mean, say they, they come in early in the morning. So when I start around 11 o'clock, you know, they're going back to the airport and stuff like that. And, 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 and then you have people getting off work. Uh, the colleges and universities are out, so work is kind of down. But once these students start coming, I mean, they're coming back. I guess classes will be starting next week. And, and it also, I mean, it's kind of, you kind of feel bad that I have to take these children's money, but. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, Janice. Um, how do you how do you remain safe in this particular industry? How do you remain safe? Remain safe. Instinct. <laughs> Instinct. I mean, you'd be surprised. I'm gonna tell you what happened. I mean, this is, this happened just a couple couple weeks ago. I got a call up in the Park Heights area around around Sinai Hospital, Thorndale. The 3100 block of Thorndale, is, which is, runs parallel to the 3100 block of uh, Woodland Avenue, around Woodland and Park Heights. I get a call. It's a taxi access call. I look at, you know, you know on, on the screen, on the computer screen, they'll tell you where the, where the job is going and where, and, and, I mean, where to pick up and where it's going. So I went back there, and it was like a dead-end situation. I mean, I go in there, and, and I'm turning the car, and, and, and there's no way out. To get to this particular address, so I go around the other side, and I see these young dudes, hoppers, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> uh, 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 telling me to come on. I just put the car in reverse and hightail it out of there. I mean, you know, I'm saying it's instinct. But I mean, instinct. You, you have nobody to back you up. You know, you really have nobody to back you up. And 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 your survival is you. I mean, you know, you're going to be stupid if you want to go into the situation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The- I mean, you can get a permit. You can get a gun permit. But does your, your profession require that you not have Well, they're not going to back you up. <laughs> they're not going to back you up at all. You know, they're not going to back And if they, if they get wind that you have some kind of weapon and it's not legal, I mean, you know, if you don't have a license to carry a gun, then they're going to get rid of you. Bottom line. I mean, you know. Anybody? Yes? Yeah, what do you put your uh, feeling about uh, the proliferation of like, farmers, the violent camps now here? Well, it's a problem. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's. It, I'm sorry, well, I didn't hear the rest of your question. It's been this like national security and it's supposed to be. Because I have a lot of problems with uh, language barrier in reference to dealing with farm camps. Okay, what? I'm going to be around the city or what have you. And also, uh, how about your attitude toward hacks? Okay, well, oh, I'm, I, I meant to talk about that too. The, uh, the uh, cab business, like uh, 30, 30, 20, 30 years ago, the business was quite lucrative, but we've been invaded. I mean, you know, you have what's called sedan service, which takes uh, a lot of the, the, the handicapped and sick people uh, back and forth to the hospitals. Uh, every, every college has some kind of transportation. Johns Hopkins has a free shuttle from the university to the hospital. You have uh, the circulator, a free bus, <laughs> that, that has three lines going around the city. Um, and you have the illegal hacks. And, and, I mean, people have, on numerous occasions, 
Somebody could be comfortably seated in my cab. Uh, the meter w- has been tripped, and they see and, and they see and they, they see somebody uh, or somebody blows for them uh, 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 an illegal hack, and they get out the cab and get into the hack. To answer your question about years ago, when I first got in the business, it was uh, uh, African Americans and and whites, basically in the business. Uh, the Sun Cab, Sun Cab didn't have any blacks until they were the last to integrate in the city. I think Checker and 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 Belle Isle's cabs were the were the uh, were the first to, were the first to integrate. Uh, Sun Cab had they had no foreigners at all until they closed their doors working for them. Now eighty percent of the business is is uh, foreign. They're foreigners, and. Um, you get I mean, I hear complaints all the time. I mean, it, they're so glad that they're dealing with an American when, when they deal with me. Uh, I mean, they say, you know, are are you are you American? And I mean, then well, they after hear me talk, they know I'm American. <laughs> uh, but but it 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 they, you know, a lot of them stay on the telephones. They're disrespectful to women. Uh, uh, I mean, you. Story 11 in the second book uh, at Penn Station, I was right behind the guy, and it was obvious that his next passenger would would be an old lady, about 80 years old, an old African-American lady, about 80 years old. Uh, he put the window up and everything else. To, you know, it's 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 really, it's it's really a problem, and and a lot of a lot of women, a lot of black women. Tell me, young girls, I mean young, you know, between 20 and 25 years old, they'll tell me about uh, uh, the discrimination factor, and sometimes they have to get out the cab before they get to where they're going. And some of these, some of them come from these countries that, you know, that that, that women are really beneath them, some certain. So, you know, you don't talk back to them, or you don't do this, and you don't do that, and, and, and I hear all of this stuff. So. I have no idea. I have no I, I have no idea. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 um, what appeals to them to take that job as opposed to taking another job? I don't know. Well, I don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be a citizen, uh, and, and, the, and it's not highly so if, if the Public Service Commission would do a better job and in, 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 in how these companies recruit their, their drivers, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be as many out there, that's the best, best I can say. I don't know how it can be, I don't know how it can be stopped. Um, you know, I mean, they, I mean, some countries, I understand, that their whole system, their whole, their whole system they have no system. I mean, you know, you can be 90 years old. If you don't have some money to take care of you, you're in bad shape. So they send a lot of their money home. They, like, they send a lot of their money home to support their families at home. Um, but it's not, it, it, the business is not as great as it used to be. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a shame that it's not more Americans in the business today. And also, years ago, I mean, like I said, I'm a native Baltimorean, and I pretty much, it was they were only I only knew of, of black people and white people in Baltimore, 
Well, I swear, it's by, by every tongue in the world must be in Baltimore <laughs> today. I mean, I don't know what these languages the people are speaking. Yes. And What's famous fair? Famous fair? Uh, uh, Spike Lee. I took Spike Lee to – I took him. You know, he's basketball. He loves basketball. He, he, he thought he was getting off at, I guess, New Carrollton, Washington. He got off here in D.C. Uh, he wasn't very friendly, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Don. Yeah, um, if, if this make it to Hollywood, who would you like to play you? you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get my nephew. I'm going to get my nephew. I'm going to get my nephew, Christopher. I'm going to get Christopher. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Huh? Huh? Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah. But listen, I know that you are on no, no. Some of them are. Some of them are. Uh, see, the, the, the foreigners are on a different mission than, than we. I mean, you know, they'll come here and, and, and uh, they may have friends here and they'll live with them. I mean, it might be five or six people and they pull their money and they buy a medallion. Well, they, I don't know. They may be in a club where, uh, say, say, uh, say everybody puts two hundred dollars in every month, and, and then every month somebody will get a two thousand dollars. It might be their turn. I, I don't know. But they, they, a lot of. I mean, they they do well with money. I mean, a lot of them won't eat out enough, and they go home for their lunch. Or may, I don't know if they don't like the American food. Or, or or what? But they will go home. They 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 don't eat out, they, and they very, and 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 I mean, you can they can have a fare for, for for, for twenty dollars and 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 forty cent, and they will go crazy. Some will go crazy because they can't get that forty cents. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yes, ma'am. I'm gonna try to answer this the best way I could. Um, most jobs, like when you work in the police department, yes. you have like you have like the credit unions or you have a pension fund. But due to the economy, being that you've been with the taxi cab, yes, um, employed for thirty-five years, those for thirty-five years. Yes. How does your plan? Uh, how should I say this? Like most of us make it a four hundred one k with our pension. We know that you did you retire from the police department? No man, no man, no man, no 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 no. I, no, uh, uh, you don't. You have no ben- you have no benefits. You have no, you have no more than if you. I mean, you know, there, there are drivers out here that don't people that don't exist. I mean, I'm talking about Americans don't exist. They've been driving for 30 years and haven't paid any taxes, but it hurts them in the end. You know, it, it really it really hurts. I mean, I, my, my social security is like way down here, but at least I'm getting something. You know, because I pay taxes. I have my tax man here, James Whitey. I don't know where he is. <laughs> where, where is it? Yes, ma'am. Um, because being that you seem to want to stay as a city cab driver because you knew the city very well. Yes. I'm going to go into the county because it's like the school teachers where the school, the city mm-hmm. teachers make less pay than the county. Yes. So why didn't you want to work into the county? Even though you lived in the city, did you find that, did you find that the county makes more? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really know. Uh, um. <clears throat> I like the city. I mean, you know, I like the city, and there are more people in the city, and there are more people. Pe- uh, the conditions are tighter, and people, uh, uh, you know, you, you flag- I don't even think you can flag a cab in the county. You have to call, either sit on the stand, or, or they have to be called to your location, to go to the location you're in. Uh, 
Um, if, if, if any more questions? Yes, ma'am. I do take hands. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Prefer my wife. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, how do the fares change from day to day? <laughs> I'm taking the same route. You're getting ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> how do they all I can say, you're getting ripped. Off. How, how do they do? They do they rip their. Um... They go into the. They, that's what the, the meters have locks on them now. I mean, it's nothing but a little piece of wire, you know. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, but the meters, the meters, the meters have locks on them, and. Uh, a ten dollar ride, you know, somebody might be might be fifteen dollars. I'm 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 saying yeah. those people that are cheap that are cheap, but you can report these people. You can report them to the cab company, that whoever colors they're running under, or the public service commission. Now they really fear the public service commission because they will put them out of service. Oh, okay. They will put it, but but a lot of people don't complain, you know. Instead of well, it's weird. At first I would go, oh well, maybe it's because they didn't take an extra turn or something. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that it can vary from. Yeah, well, if, you, if, 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 I mean, a lot of regular people will say that, you know, I ride this route every day, I pay $10, why is your meter saying $14? Uh, pay the $10 and, and tell them call the police or uh, get the, ca all these cabs have numbers inside, inside the back, you know, my number's 971, you know, you, you call the public service, there's only one 971 you know, call a public service. And it doesn't make no difference what company they work for because there's only one number. They could work for Arrow or, or, or uh, Red Ball or whoever, but there's only one number that, that, that comes. I mean, there's only one number for that cab. Yes? Oh, yes. Has anybody been dissatisfied with your service? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I try to relax people to the best of your ability. You know, you get in... Uh, Sometimes I program you before, you know, if you look like you want to hear the opera, I might put the opera on, you know. I do everything but rap. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't go any, I don't go any further than 95.9. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm human, you know. Somebody can rub me wrong, and, 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 and I come off at them, and they come off at me. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good situation. Uh, uh, the, uh, I was sitting reading the newspaper down around. Around where all the pocketbooks are down University University Square, and this guy uh, approached me. He wanted to go to uh, uh, a car rental place out on out on Eastern Avenue in 695. So he asked me to take him out there, and it failed. You know, if it's about a, it's about it's, a, it's it's about twenty twenty one dollars or something like that. And he said, "Look, well, he asked me what he taking for fifteen dollars." So I said, "Well, you know." Uh, you have the toll fee, and the toll fee is three dollars. He said, "Well, I pay that." I said, "I wasn't doing nothing. Fifteen dollars better than no dollars." <laughs> so we get in this great conversation, and this guy, this, 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 we, we were talking about politics, and we get in this great conversation, and this, and this, and I find out that this guy uh, uh, had a doctorate degree, and he was teaching at the University of Baltimore. <laughs> You know, I said, man, what's going on here? You know, you know. He said he's on a budget. I said, well, we all on a budget. <laughs> you know, we all. So I get to the toll plaza. The man gives me a fifty dollar bill to pay the toll. <laughs> I, I don't want to say what I said. <laughs> you know, I said, well, you know, you must, you must enjoy, you must enjoy hustling people. That's all I can say. He needs to be, he needs to be in my seat, I guess. 
Uh, anyway, it's it's it's. Uh... One last one. Oh yes, sir. I'll follow up with questions. Okay. I'm trying to extract from this young man. He's a very gifted and incredible human being. Yeah. I've known him. We we grew up together, and what he comes across is so self-effacing, so humble, and whatever. But it, what an incredible human being to be able to. And the answer whether you get mad at somebody. Read the second book. Yeah. About <laughs> the fan who left the pocketbook <laughs> at Northern Fulton. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get the answer. Yeah. But talk about, if you don't mind the closest, your view of Baltimore that you grew up in. Okay. Your formative years okay. in Baltimore. Okay. Now. I'm, I'm going to take this question back here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. First, I want to um, urge everyone to pick up your book. I had the privilege and honor of reading your book years ago, the first one, and our paths have crossed uh, a few times at different African-American author and writers in general conferences, Yes. and I plan to purchase um, your latest um, book as well. But this one thing I just want to share that, that concerns me slightly is that, and I want you to comment on this, is that um, the reference to individuals who are foreign being a person of color ourselves, an African-American person, talking about new immigrants, individuals taking jobs, I am very concerned about African-American folks who were the recipients and still the recipients of discrimination, um, expressing sort of the same sentiments that was expressed on us at one time by the dominant culture and us expressing it on another group of people. I know that it's justified. I experienced the same language barrier, the same sexist behavior, but it just concerns me greatly that we're using the same sort of inflammatory, derogatory language towards another group of people of color that we still receive and did overtly receive at one time. <laughs> you want to answer? You want to answer? You answer. You answer. This is one of my fellow. Oh, my name is Ronald Palmer. I've known Daniel Palmer for five years. I'm a cab driver as well. And the reference he was making, he wasn't deploying bonds per se. He was talking about the ones who drive the cab, the ones that pick up the people in the audience. And after 30 years, everybody knows. In my experience at the well, they have a tendency to overcharge. Is that something? That's what he was trying to convey. He wasn't trying to blame the individual or the ethnic group. Yes. He, was there, he was trying to expound on the situation. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes, Lucy. And, and, and for everybody who ever been cheated by a cab driver, like you said, you can go to the public service commission, and you can also request that the driver show their medallion, their badge. Well, they're supposed they to show it. got to show it. And if they don't show that, you don't have to pay. Yes, Lisa. I have, one, I have one last question. I hear that you've had, I know that you've had some other very interesting uh, fairs and rides, and you're mm -hmm. still telling your stories. Just want to know if you're still taking notes, and if so, will there be a hey, can you free? <laughs> uh, I have a couple stories, but I'm not really. No, I, I mean, not really. I, my, 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 I'm, 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 I'm concentrating on these two books, and and 
Uh, oh, to, to answer uh, Michael Mitchell's question, uh, we came up in we came up we came up in a segregated society here in Baltimore, and I really I mean for the first 15 years I mean I I, I lived in a I, I lived in a home in West Baltimore around Lafayette and Bentlow. I mean, everything was everything was okay. I mean, I didn't know any different until I went to City College in, in, in 15 years. I mean, to start uh, really realizing uh, of racism, um, a lot of things have a lot. I mean, things have changed, but I don't see any different. Before it was it was racial discrimination, and then economics. Now it's economics, then racial discrimination. I mean, you look people there, right here in Baltimore. Um, you might not believe it, but there are all kinds of uh, um, uh, gated communities, especially all around the university hospital. I mean, you can't get you can't get through you can't get through the you can't get through the front door unless you know somebody to let you up. Some of these buildings have uh, have parking lots on the first four or five store floors, and then I mean that's to protect them from from uh, what's happening. Uh, you really know, it really seems like people, if you know, you know if you belong. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to close it now because we have to 4 o'clock and, and uh, if you like my books in the back, uh, uh, there's some articles up here and all of these, all of these uh, uh, are articles uh, about me and Hey Cabby over the years. I also have a, a, a slide presentation of uh, Baltimore City. Uh, Thank you for coming. God bless you. <laughs>